Before the show begins, we at Period Network wanted you all to know about an awesome company. As a heads up, this isn't an ad. It's part of our Spotlight series, where we shed light on companies who are doing amazing work that we just really want to support. We just really wanted you to know about an incredible company called Melanin NYA. Melanin NYA is your source for all things black in traditional young adult publishing. A database comprised of black YA authors, literary agents, influencers, and other industry professionals. It's the perfect resource for readers, writers, teachers, librarians, event organizers, and more. Melanin and YA provides bi-monthly news roundups of book deals, cover reveals, and more in the Black YA space. Created by writer Melody Simpson, Melanin and YA is dedicated to amplifying Black voices, making this a no-excuses resource for all things Black in the young adult literary space. Find out more by visiting melaninya.com and support them on Patreon. Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 125. We're your hosts. I am Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hi, girls. How are you guys doing? Hello. Hello. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very uh, uh, non-energetic yay because I have sweat running down my booty crack. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say under boob sweat. Uh, no, yeah, because same. I have... I have that currently going on right now. I have the TMI. sweat mustache. Oh my god! <laughs> I haven't had that since I was a kid. Oh, I have I that all run. the time. Yeah, well, you, like I just said, when I used to run, you're a oh, runner. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I do uh-huh. it. Yeah, I, when I'm running, I just uh, on my tank top, I just wipe it off every now and then. That's funny. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Speaking of running, I actually am signed up for my first in a long time in-person race on September 11th. So that's, oh, wow. that's a weird day to schedule it on. Uh, it's just, it's a Sunday uh, or Saturday. It's a Saturday. Not to be callous, but I think it's kind of been long enough that I can do stuff on <laughs> 9-11 now without feeling bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry. Sorry to all the people who died and who were affected by it. But also, yeah, I've been getting drunk on 9-11 for like the past, <laughs> I don't know how many years. For no reason. Yeah. I just like drinking. <laughs> I mean, I think that definitely when it first happened, it was uh, the even now hearing the date sets like a feeling oh, yeah. off in yeah, me. But absolutely. same. I'm mm-hmm. like, I you can't not do stuff on September eleventh. Yeah. So pretty much. Um yes, so September eleventh is the OC half marathon. Uh and it is in Huntington Beach. I've run this race before, so I kind of have a little bit of knowledge and familiarity with the course. But um the cool thing about it is that this is the first race that I have been able to run since March 2020, March 9th, 
2020 was the Los Angeles marathon. And that was the last race that I could do because everything else that I had planned to do and that I had signed up to do. And in mm-hmm. some cases had already paid to do all got <laughs> no. canceled or postponed. So, um, they're just starting to do in-person stuff again. And they are, um, actually the reason why it's on the ninth is it's a Saturday. And for those non runners out there, non-race goers you don't have to run to be a race goer you can walk um they generally happen on sundays but because of covid and because of safety protocols um they are separating the half marathon and the full marathon usually they will do both on the same day and they will just start the full marathon first and then the half sir halfers will go after or sometimes they're all just in one big group and then they just at one point um, go off in different directions to one finish a 26.2 course and the other to finish a 13.1 mile course. Mm-hmm. So, um, cause I've done that as well, but mm-hmm. they are separating them and they're doing 13 and a five and maybe a 10 K or, or one of those on one day and then the full and the other one on another day. So, um, that because I was thought too I, that was weird on a Saturday because I usually run all my races on Sunday so um, I have to remember that because I was telling everyone it was Sunday. <laughs> then a friend of mine who's gonna run it with me is like, "No, it's a Saturday." I'm like, "Good thing because I would have missed it." <laughs> yep, my classes are starting soon, and I currently am signed up for twelve credits, and I'm wondering if I should push it to sixteen. Girl, mm. nobody ever told me in college that, okay, all I was told was full time is 12 credits. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll take 12 credits. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the end of my junior year that they were like, um, you're not going to graduate on time because you don't have enough credits. I'm like, what do you mean I don't have enough credits? I was a full time student this whole time. Mm-hmm. I had to take summer school my entire senior year. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. And I had to go an extra fucking quarter. Oh, oh wow no. i started school in 1990 and i graduated in 1995 it took me four years and two quarters no four years and one quarter <laughs> <laughs> so yes um if you want the fast track take the 16 but also i would say for the first i mean you're used to you're used to college work but because it's new and everything mm-hmm. i would say maybe stick with the 12 and just get acclimated to it and then yeah and then do it yeah because i know like i i know when i was my limit is actually like five classes but if for like ease of uh feasibility Mm -hmm. and not being overwhelmed and burned out i can do i should do three Mm -hmm. but a nice good medium is four especially if i want to like graduate on time and stuff like that and i'm probably gonna i'm probably gonna sign up for a class last minute uh, but on the plus side, it is, uh, it is, uh, what's, oh, I forget my own freaking terminology, <laughs> but an upperclassman. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh, class. So one, there isn't going to be any baby freshmen. Uh, and two, it's kind of like a job posting. The one that I'm thinking about oh. because it's being in charge of the school's literary magazine. Oh, that's and, cool. Yeah, and choosing, uh, choosing like works and stuff like that, and basically like being an editor. Yeah. Wow. So that's like that's the first half mm-hmm. of the class is like doing that and like kind of like filtering works and what you're gonna publish. And 
the second half is actually publishing it. That's oh, how they have it split cool. up. It's really cool, but at the same time, I'm just like, dude, like, do I have the time and energy? I was gonna say that's very cool, but also sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's basically a job. And they told like they told me during orientation that yeah, like it's that you can put that on your resume. Yeah, and like it's good editing experience, which is something that I have like thought about doing as well. Yeah, uh, is going into editing in the publishing company. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, in the publishing world um um but it's a lot of work it's it's it is it's a job and i'm not gonna get paid for it i'm actually paying to take this job right. which is bullshit <laughs> but <laughs> i mean as a full-grown adult i generally now choose things that i do in my life based on whether or not it's gonna be a lot of work <laughs> <laughs> no Same. honestly though oh my God. and that honestly. i mean that can range anything from like actually signing up to like be a volunteer somewhere or just putting on pants to go get a coffee at Starbucks. (laughs) Oh, that is so true. I have, look, as someone who has door dashed freaking Boba to her house because I'm too lazy to go like the three blocks needed to go to a Boba place, I understand. Yeah. Last night I had Taco Bell in my cart of Grubhub and I said to my husband, are you hungry? What'd you do for dinner? Cause I got home late, like at nine o'clock and he's like, no, I didn't eat anything. I'm like, okay, well, do you want to order something? He's like, yes. So I'm like, crap, delete, delete, delete. Cause he doesn't eat fast food. And I was already tasting, tasting that crunch wrap. <laughs> Guys, I don't even know what, how to use Grubhub. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, because I've that's never... right. Cause you said you, you have your, your restaurateur living in your <laughs> yeah, own house. You, you do. Have, an amazing chef that cooks for you every day. Mm-hmm. I'd like to learn, though, what Grubhub <laughs> is someday. She doesn't want to learn to cook. She wants to learn Grubhub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. It's now time for Cheese de la Semana. I have some freaking cheese. Well, I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, um, star Winston Duke is confirmed to return uh, to the Black Panther sequel, Wakanda Forever, as Mumbaku. Oh, I like oh. I love him. Yes. Oh, my God. Aside from being hot, he's a fucking badass character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and also, um, uh, Angela Bassett is returning as well. I'm very excited queen. about that. The queen. And we also have I May Destroy You actress Michaela Mike, Cole. She is, uh, she's been cast in a role which we do not know who Ooh. she's going to be, Ooh, uh, but uh, she's just really beautiful. I don't know if you've seen I May Destroy You. It's an HBO Max. No, oh no. my God. It is such an amazing series. Uh, I just saw the first season. It's still on HBO Max. She has these amazing high cheekbones and these like lips that are amazing. I mean, she's just like, I don't know. She's just, uh, just stunning. I mean, I can't even begin to wrap my head around. (laughs) Like if I ever saw her, I don't know. Like she just has these really bold features and she's obviously very talented. Um, She plays a a woman who's raped um, in a a bar stall, but she is uh, drugged. And so she doesn't remember. Mm. She just has these snippets of flashes of stuff but she's also um an author in the series and she is finding a lot of trouble um writing her second book Mm -hmm. Uh, but she already 
got the cash. <laughs> so <laughs> she's already spent it. So now she's trying to produce these pages through this trauma that she went through. And she also had a very loud media presence in the series. And so sometimes she would go on these rants because of the trauma she's experimenting. She's also like doing drugs and drinking and stuff. So all that is, uh, that's probably why the series is called I May Destroy You. But um, I'm so happy she's joined this um, this project, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, because I can't wait what they do. I know, um, of course, Black Panther passed away, so I really want to see in which direction this movie is going to go in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, any news about it, I'm just like all over it. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the actors have expressed in interviews how difficult it is reading, um, yeah. you know, because of what had happened. So uh, he, they're saying that it's a very kind of emotional set right now. Yeah, I'm mm. actually emotionally preparing myself Me for the too. What If uh, series where Chadwick Boseman's voice is actually used for Black Panther's animated character um, because he was able to uh, record that before he passed away and to actually hear him and to and and uh, know, know that it was that, him yeah, who recorded yeah, it yeah and and while he was uh, suffering um, I'm I'm actually it's I think it's going to be very very uh, uh, emotional absolutely but anyway that is my cheese man. All right, guys, it's now time for On My Radar. Kristen, what is on your radar? Yes. So today, On My Radar is a book that I read that actually has been out for uh, a while. It came out July 21st. But I think some of you, it may have been under your radar. (laughs) uh, and, And you don't even know that it exists. So I am here to tell you all about a book called Mom. And uh, Mom stands for Mother of Madness. Mm. And so this book, actually, I had it brought up here, and now I don't know what I did with it, so I'm going to find it again. Um, So Mother of Madness is a book written by none other than... um, Amelia Clark. So do you know who that what? is? What? Khaleesi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the actress who played Daenerys on Game of Thrones wrote a comic book. What? Yep. And it is a three-issue miniseries that she says started as a joke. She said that um, there were only so many times that she could go to comic conventions for the panels. Because yeah. I'm telling you, Game of Thrones panels always screwed things up for me because they were always in Hall H and they were always the last of the day in Hall H and always on Saturday and always after Walking Dead. And so those fanatical Game of Thrones fans would get in line at like freaking literally like six o'clock, 6 p.m. the day before on Friday to get into that Game of Thrones uh, panel, which wasn't until six o'clock the next day or four o'clock or something in the afternoon. And Walking Dead was usually around like two or so. And so the way that Hall H works is that they don't clear the room after a panel. So if you make it into the beginning of the day, you get to sit there and you can sit there all day long and watch all the panels and not have to leave. And maybe a few here and there will leave because they have no interest in what comes on after. But there's so many awesome, amazing things that happen in that room usually. Nobody leaves. So... 
Game of Thrones, once Game of Thrones came and started having Hall H panels on Saturday, I never got into Walking Dead. Oh, never. So it was a thorn in my side. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she says that because she had to go to all these conventions because of, you know, the fans of, of Game and Thrones, game of thrones she said it was only so long before she started wandering around and looking and she became quite a fangirl of some comics and Mm -hmm. so um she said that this whole thing this idea was just um about three years ago she was in a car with a bunch of friends and she was like hey wouldn't it be funny if and then she kind of pitched her idea and then she said she woke up the next day and was like you know what that would be fucking funny i'm gonna do this (laughs) so um mom m-o-m and then uh colon stands for mother of madness um was her idea and like i said it's a three issue miniseries and it is um published by image and um she is co-writing it with a favorite of mine marguerite bennett so if you don't know marguerite she um wrote animosity she was a batgirl writer uh Mm. uh, bombshells um i believe is what i uh, also one of her books but she is very very talented and i really like her a lot and um amelia calls marguerite her comic guru (laughs) so mom mother of madness follows a single mom named maya who discovers she possesses freakish freakish superpowers and uses them to take on a secret cabal of human traffickers so I read this first issue and it very 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 much had the same feel to me of bitch planet the first time I read oh, bitch planet. really wow. so that That's whole high praise like when you're reading it and you have you feel that underlying feminist writing they're in the book there there's actually uh, Maya's boss yells at her and she gets in trouble for not we- wearing heels to work. Mm. It is a policy that women need to wear heels. And he also is yelling at her and telling her that she is not a team player because it was um, John's bachelorette party the other day and all the other women in the office didn't have a problem with dressing up in that bunny co- outfit. <gasps> wow. So wow. that kind of thing really blatantly and going over the top of calling out um, sexism and misogynism, misogynistic um, uh, attitudes and um, patriarchal crazy BS um, happened often in the book. And it was interesting. One of the interesting things to me is that her powers are connected to her emotions, which I thought was fucking brilliant because what do women always get told? Are you on your period? You're too fucking emotional. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no matter what it is, you're too emotional. And that, and, and I mean, one of the biggest uh, arguments I heard for against um, Hillary Clinton becoming um, president was that she was a woman and wouldn't be able to handle that stress because she would be too emotional. 
Some stupid people even brought up the period thing. I guess they don't understand. <laughs> they don't know what menopause <laughs> they is. Exactly. They don't understand human physiology when it comes to women. But anyway, um, I thought that was brilliant, that her powers are connected to her emotions. And the emotions and the, pow- the powers are all different for different emotions. And I don't remember what the specific ones are. But, like, for example, when she gets angry, she can, like, have supersonic hearing. And that is one of her... Um, powers but i'm not for certain if they're it's connected to anger but like that that kind of stuff so um i think there's one that makes her invisible and just a whole bunch of uh different powers that she has and so uh amelia says uh that she just kind of went with the idea of how moms are always being called superheroes and so she was just like why not run with that but the cool thing about it, and I, one of the reasons why I enjoyed it, was that it was super, super funny and very, like, like on the edge of, like, being, like, uh, inappropriate, I guess. <laughs> but, like, she describes it as very Deadpool-esque. Okay, so if, yeah. if you know what that means and you're a Deadpool reader, then you also know that that's right up my alley. I love Deadpool. I love that kind of humor. Um, and this book is very funny. Um, it's a tongue-in-cheek humor, and it's combined with very current feminist sensibilities. And she says that is specifically to explore um, extreme gender-bending atmospheres within this comic. So check it out. Number one came out um, July 24th. First, did I say this last Wednesday? Um, and then um, it's two more issues and it's actually super thick. So it's a little bit more expensive. I think it was like five ninety nine. dollars mm. um, But it was a very strong, good start. And I can't wait to read more. And that's what's on my radar. All right, guys. What time is it? Okay. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> Es la hora de la cervecita. All right, guys. Today we have a treat. Oop, sorry, guys. <laughs> we have old school players by Monkish Brewing. Ooh, Ooh. Monkish. It's a double dry hopped IPA. Double double dry hopped. Bye. Get <laughs> Fly keeps is trying to, to get la- the first drink. I know. No, this is my my drink. My drink. Um, yes. Oh my God! Look at that juiciness. Wow. So yes, this is um this was a can release. Um, now they're doing um uh, they sell their cans online, and then you have between uh, eleven o'clock and seven p.m. to go collect the cans that you. They're purchased. still doing that. Yes. No, um, I don't like that. I like it because I don't have to stand in line anymore. Oh well, for the releases, but they're still not open for people oh, to no. just go. Actually, they did open a oh, patio okay. portion. It's really cute. Wow. They have like some. <laughs> oh my god, uh, Jen, Jen just winced. It was really <laughs> funny. Um, but yes, it's eight point four percent, and it's uh, old school players. It's a release that they do every now and then. This is not an exclusive, exclusive release. So they bring this out um, every once in a while, and. Um, they don't have any information on the can because that's no. the kind of yeah. stuff that Monkish does. It just has a, the hop and the little like Monkish symbol. Well, what I do like is it's called Old School Players. I'm like, why? And then I look at it and it's all old 
uh, technology. There is a VCR player. There is an old um, digital clock. There, this I think this is a DVD player. It's there's an old stereo here. It's funny. One time I was um, at a yard sale and I was selling an old stereo, and my godson with, was with me. He's like, "What's this?" So I told him it was a stereo. Yeah. He's like, "Where do you download the?" MP-? At the time, at the time it was MP3. He's like, "Where do you download the?" MP-? mp3s i'm like oh my gosh (laughs) but anyway yeah so that's what all of it on here is like uh, it's a pile of all of that that old technology that's cool yeah so monkish usually when they do their can releases because they release frequently like i think twice a week um they don't ever put any information on their cans about the beer nor do you find any online it's just they churn it out Um, you probably could find like what Maybe. drinkers think on tap oh yes absolutely yeah. yeah that you can do but usually you don't have any information to go by other than monkish in torrents and maybe opening a second location i believe oh really oh yeah, oh, yeah okay. they're in that's cheese man that, right uh-huh. yeah so i think uh, you know what i'm not actually sure what city they're, they're thinking of opening but yes they're uh, the original location is in torrents and they're thinking of opening something else maybe in the inland empire i'm not really oh. sure I know it's hot out there. Yeah, and mm-hmm. but yeah, now they are open for uh, serving drinks, so you can go there. Uh, I don't know how they're because I I haven't gone because it's a small space. Yeah, um, and it's outdoors. Um, maybe you can look online to see what the details are on that. But I think we should just shoot, just just try it. Well, smelling it was very oh, very God. citrusy, made my mouth water, and I can smell like pineapple kind of. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Yeah, that's hoppy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a double IPA, so yeah, you would not expect any less. I'm I'm afraid to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> She's holding it in her hand, just like should I, shouldn't I? Mmm, that's good. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a very juicy, juicy drink. It's which very juicy. What they're known for, anyway. So, mm-hmm. so here's the thing about Monkish. When Monkish first opened, which I'm not sure exactly when it was, but um, I would say like. Nine years ago? I was going to say less than 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They were one of my favorite breweries because they solely brewed um, Belgian-style beers. And that was my thing. That was like, I love Belgian styles so much. And there was nary an IPA inside the place. But you cannot be, unfortunately, a successful brewery these days without brewing um, an, a good IPA and so they kind of jumped on that bandwagon and have stuck with that and continue to brew um, IPAs as well as some Belgians um, but not as much the, as I would like I don't think but they've they very uh, much ventured out to all kinds of different styles now and um, even the old English pub that own, that like literally hand pulls their beer also has an IPA yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh really yeah they do so um um, so I, it's just a thing of the beer market right now, and who knows how that will transition over the years. But um, I was a little California. Yeah, I was a little <laughs> disappointed when they did that. But as a business owner, I definitely understand it. Like if if somehow the trend switched that I could only uh, sell Xenoscope comics, I mean, I guess I would have to sell Xenoscope comics. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh that's a little bit of history of monkish but i've 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 still never really been um disappointed with any of their beers yeah same here 
definitely one of the household favorites. My brother turned me on to them and he continues to get the can releases like <laughs> all the time. And uh, he does a little beer trading. So he mm-hmm. had, that's his little side hustle. And it continues to grow. Like every week he's like, are you going to be in Torrance? Because that means he can go <laughs> stop and get my stuff. But yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So um, Monkish is uh, about a mile walk from my house. So yep. it is not far at all. And um, for my birthday one year, I did a little my my husband. And oh, I, yeah. That my call. husband and my birthday are a week apart. And we did a brewery uh, crawl and walked to about six different breweries that are all within a mile of my house. <laughs> that was fun. But yes. So uh, are you yes. uh, ready to rate it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so as a reminder, we rate our beers on a five-point scale, or one out of five is flaccid, two out of five is initial, a three out of five is a partial, a four out of five is a full, and a five out of five is a rigid. And if it is really yummy and it doesn't even fit on the scale, we give it a super saiyan. So, uh, Sarah, what do you rate? Well, Monkish has always been one of my favorites. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give this a rigid because it's, Definitely has a lot of flavor. I've, I taste some pineapple in the back. Um, there's a very hard aftertaste um, that comes after the initial drinking. Um, but it's one of these... Uh, Monkish doesn't disappoint. It's right on brand, and that's why I'm going to give it a rigid. So I agree that that aftertaste is there, but for me, like you said, it's very muted. It's there, but it does not overpower. It's not a like, oh, that's like, I've drank, I've drank some double IPAs and I'm like, nope, that's like, (laughs) that's even too much for me. This is so like very flavorful, very fruity, um, for an IPA, very, very fruity. Uh, and the, um, the hoppy aftertaste is super, super like it's there, but it's enjoyably there. Mm -hmm. So, um, I am going to give it a full, uh, and, um, Maybe a rigid if it was super cold. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I totally feel you on that. Yeah. I, I really, yeah, you're right. I think super cold, it would have brought it a notch, yeah. notch yeah. up. So um, I'll give it a full. Also a full because it's not something I can get all the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that either. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, that is my rating. Uh, four out of five. Um. IPAs aren't really my favorite. Yeah. Uh, I we don't... know. <laughs> it's okay. It bears repeating every <laughs> single time. But I was really able to appreciate the fruity taste of it mm-hmm. after that initial sip. Because then I would like once, as usual, once the hops kick you in the face. Yes. It's like um, um, you, you kind of like get over it. Um, uh, and then you can like really taste it. Make it really makes the if it has flavoring very noticeable. Mm-hmm. So you, could, I really like. I really tasted pineapples. Mm-hmm. So and I really like that. Yeah. Um. But and yeah, actually no. Like I drink the hops, and usually it's the first thing I notice. But after I kept drinking, I didn't really notice them at all. So I think I'm gonna go with. <laughs> That's usually how it happens. Yeah. <laughs> with an IPA. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, I think I'm going to go with a full because it, it was very tasty and it was almost kind of sweet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Towards, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. towards the last bit, which I really like. Yeah. Surprising no one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to give it a full as well. Yeah, and I, you know what? I really like the aroma. Yeah. Yeah. That one, that was one really was uh, really welcoming. And a four out of five for an IPA, a double IPA for Jen is like a like grand uh, gesture. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of the IPAs that we've had, usually the ones that I like the most have been from Monkish. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. It's now time for our book review. What are we reviewing today, girls? Ow. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> so today we are reviewing Nenetel of the Forgotten Spirits. And I did a like I did a quick um uh, a quick look of what Nenetel means, and I believe they mention it in the book too. But Nenetel yeah. means doll. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. another name for doll. But I backed this. Uh, I backed this back in ooh, last year, I think too. Uh, and it was. It's actually a collection of a four-issue comic series oh, okay. that, uh, that came out, and this just had like bonus content and stuff like that. Um. um but it is written by Vera Green Tea and drawn by beautifully drawn by the way. <laughs> it, it is yeah. it's it's a very beautiful book. Um uh, by Laura Mueller. Um, um who's a concept artist from Germany hmm, with what? a yeah, with a passion for visual development and children's book. Uh, and Vera Green Tea, uh, she writes like fantasies uh, and like scary stories for kids and grown-ups. She's best known for Grimoire Noir, a Yalsa great graphic novel of 2020, and her Victorian punk series Recipes for the Dead. Uh, and she, I believe, is the head of Green Tea Publishing. Oh, cool. Yeah, so they kickstarted this book uh, like around, I want to say like halloween or like around Day i was gonna Dead. say yeah i think so these are all basically i think we're reading all the books that are <laughs> <laughs> that you exerted in halloween yeah pretty much but nenetel is um, um the synopsis or like the back the what we get from the back is nenetel of the forgotten spirits is a spirited horror story about a ghost searching for her family during the festival of the day of the dead while dodging ambitious young exorcists uh, Vera Green Tea and artist Laura Mueller create an autumn-friendly tale of skulls and hope. So every year, Mexican families gather to celebrate and welcome back the souls of the dead. They decorate graveyards with marigolds and introduce their beloved spirits uh, to their children. But when the dead ones are forgotten, their spirits are never seen again. Until one early morning on the day of the dead, the shroud between our worlds uh, are opened long enough to let one forgotten spirit out. When the lost forgotten soul of Nena discovers that she is out in the living realm, she makes it her mission to find a single living person who might remember her and invite her to the festival of the Day of the Dead every year. But things aren't so simple, and while she has a full day to find that person, she is also hunted by several ambitious exorcists who know that she shouldn't be in the living realm. The artwork for this is like, as Sarah said, is really beautiful. And the story is very, it's very sad, but by the end, very heartwarming as Mm -hmm. well. And I really enjoyed it. Um, um, And I'm never going to get tired of Day of the Dead stories. (laughs) I know like some, like uh, a lot of people, 
and with justification are kind of tired of them they're like hey like like latinx culture and mexican culture is just more than day of the dead yeah but as the emo goth latinx (laughs) child that i am i'm always all about it because i'm just like look you you might not like thinking about the dead but i do so uh i'm okay with more content like this being put out i loved it actually the Mm. the fact okay so here's the thing with day of the dead we did not in my family celebrate day of the dead and it wasn't until i was a full-grown adult that i even started hearing about it Mm -hmm. um and i am very sad that the elders of my family are all gone because i would like to ask them like was this actually something that you ever did um back in mexico or my mother my grandmother was i think the oldest one that would have remembered. So unfortunately her brothers and sisters probably would not have. And I think some of them were born here, but um, that very intrigues me because that particular cultural um, tradition is uh, just like Jen, like I'm fascinated with it. I've always been fascinated with death as well and mm-hmm. went through my goth uh, stages when I was younger. <laughs> um, my, my sad uh goth death poetry uh haunts me to this day um, Same. <laughs> oh my god but um i really enjoy learning about i mean this is my culture and i love the idea of the dead coming back for a day and it being a fucking like fun happy thing yes. it's a yes. party yes yeah. a party and with great food and the idea of it just like is so cool and um every year when you do your altar and you do that as traditional in your family i thought it was cool and having my grandmother be part of your altar last year was like so like not even just cool but like uh like very heartwarming and heartfelt to like see that and to think of my i'm getting misty but to think of my grandmother like coming and dancing and enjoying uh-huh. <laughs> enjoying uh, uh, you're gonna laugh but enjoying her miller highlight <laughs> <laughs> that was her beer it's the king of beers you know <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but like um reading this this story i i enjoyed it like most of my information i got from coco <laughs> um and just like reading the comics that we read because we read latinx creators and they share a lot of that stuff and they share those stories and um one of the cool things that i learned here was that the that some of the beliefs are that um the that people die three times yes i had never heard of that before oh yeah Yeah, the final uh, death yeah it's really funny because i have like i'm like latinx but i have like a mixed latinx cultural background because i'm guatemalan but uh i was raised with my godparents and like mm-hmm. um uh, my 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 tios and i call them like like my tios my tias and my cousins even though we're not related like by blood but i grew up with them and they're mexican and salvadorian oh, background yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. uh and just in itself southern california culture is very mexican influenced mm-hmm. so yes. and when mm-hmm. i go back when i go to guatemala they tell me they're like oh you speak like a mexican and i'm just so like okay <laughs> <laughs> i don't mind that but like they can t- they can tell yeah. that it's like basically i'm i'm from very i grew up with a very different parts so um i like i grew up with mexican we didn't have an altar but the reason we didn't have one was because for my mom the reason was we didn't know any dead 
we and uh, of the dead that we know there was already an altar um my mother's side back at the home mm-hmm. back in the homeland and for her that was enough mm-hmm. so but like we like i grew up learning about it and i like saw altars and stuff like that even though personally we didn't have one mm-hmm. and again there was a the whole like we didn't know any dead so yeah. we didn't need to make an altar we kind of have a pseudo altar right now and it's basically just like a bunch of photos that we have uh like in one corner of the house it's not like anything like really official yet even though my mom really wants to make one yeah it's just where we live right now there's not enough space so we're kind of limited by that um but uh i always knew about alters and i knew about that about like what the real death and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so about that about the three deaths i i don't i can't even tell you when i learned about it i just know that it's it, it like it was a thing i know in coco they mentioned the final death mm-hmm. because that's what the whole story is about mm-hmm. is people being forgotten but mm-hmm. uh the first one was that when the heart stopped and then mm-hmm. what was the second one when you're buried when, when you're buried okay mm-hmm. yeah and then the third one was when, when you're forgotten when you're forgotten mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so i i i yeah i was actually really um intrigued and interested in that because i had never heard that before mm-hmm yeah, well, w- when growing up, um, we didn't have the big altar because my mom's dad had passed. So, like, during Dia de Muertos, uh, she would put up a picture of her dad and a cup of water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not a cup of water, I'm sorry. A, a glass cu- of water. <laughs> <laughs> Where? Who raised me? <laughs> but yes, um, so she would have that. And as uh, time went on and we had more people pass, and... Um, some of the like my grandma my great-grandma passed uh, they made altars where i went to mexico to puebla to um to puebla which is a really small farm kind of um village i guess and um we went to the altar from the because if the your recently deceased dies within that year you have to do the big altar and that yeah. was like the the first time I saw the big altar, the like the seven leveled altar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so um, and then we got to go to the different houses and have food because everybody has food. Uh, you just go in and you have a tamal or mole or champurrado or whatever. Mm hmm. And it was just really beautiful. The decorations, the little like a miracle like path. A, there's uh, like a, a myth about you not if you don't eat during Day of the Dead. And it's. um, uh, Oh, God. I forget it, but like I'm remembering it now, and it's like when like kids weren't hungry, and they would tell them like you gotta eat something or else the ghost is gonna fill your stomach. Oh, <laughs> okay. I mean, we have all sorts of stuff like that. Like uh-huh. if you are recently, uh, you recently had a kid or you recently miscarried a kid, you cannot go yeah. to a funeral. Yeah, you can't because go to a funeral. that maybe the spirit is like mm-hmm. your your womb may be too tender and may uh-huh. catch bad stuff. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, so, like, it was, like, I know what you're talking about because they're, like, you can go and, like, and then you might, like, you might die because you're, like, the ghost of your dead child might come back and kill you. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of crazy that uh-huh. way. Yeah. And, uh, uh, or, like, uh, one of the other ones that I heard growing up was um, uh, kids under five couldn't go to, like, cemeteries or else they might get possessed. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of little stuff like that. Like, Or like if your child is unbaptized, don't take them to a cemetery either yeah. because they they could be struck dead from God's anger. Yeah. 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 Well, I know my grandmother always wore a safety pin um, during... <laughs> 
Um, an eclipse? An eclipse, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was just like stories and like like little like sayings like that and stuff yeah. like that that I'm like, I don't believe them now, but I'm just like, hey, those are kind of funny. They <laughs> are funny. Yeah. Well, that is to all to say that this book is really, really awesome and inspired us to actually talk about our personal experiences about Dia de Muertos. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to talk about the story where um, it is actually like... It's written for kids, which I really love, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's really just really friendly and, and kind of exciting uh, all at once. Um, the artwork is just so, um, I found the artwork to be like really busy, like really uh, in motion. Like mm-hmm. um, it wasn't like, uh, how do I There weren't it? a lot of straight lines. Right. There right, was a lot of curving, kind of, of like of a lot movement. of movement. Yeah. Kind of very wispy. Yeah, wispy, yes. Yeah, that, it, yeah, that definitely exp- explains what i'm trying to say but um it is it's in movement and it just it's really it really catches your eye and it um uh, the main character she wears a red dress so that kind of like flashes across the page and just kind of captures you and takes you kind of on a whirlwind kind of adventure and um i really enjoyed it um some of the characters i found a little bit difficult to um what uh so it was difficult for me to pinpoint which one was which, just because yeah, they were a little bit a little bit similar mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in age and in looks. So I was like, wait, wait, which one is this one? And so that was a little difficult. But overall, the story was really well written. It was really nice. I really enjoyed it. What about you guys? I agree um, that the story was very uh, engaging. Uh, and the fact that it isn't all ages or like a YA whatever book, I love because I love that. I love the idea of kids reading horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I scary. mean, it's better that they read age appropriate horror than yeah. just being shown, uh, what's it, what is it? Um, uh, child's play? <laughs> no, not child's play. The, um, uh, well, yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, oh yeah. I watched, yeah. I watched Scream when I was five. I watched, <laughs> I watched Nightmare on Elm Street was in sixth grade and I literally could not sleep for weeks. Uh-huh. <laughs> or like, and I watched, I watched Jeepers Creepers when I was eight and I was, you, that might be another reason why I don't like cornfields. Oh, Like yeah. oh, calling okay. back like the, like yeah. when we did Crossroads at Midnight, but like the Jeepers Creepers freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> and I've watched it since then and now it makes me laugh yeah. because it's just like, it's so cheesy and campy. Right, right. But when I was eight and I watched Jeepers Creepers, Oh my God, did it fucking terrify me. Uh, uh-huh. Yes, well, more appropriately, R.L. Stein. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was reading Stephen King when I was 12. Mm-hmm. So definitely uh, some non-age appropriate horror going on uh-huh. there. But um, I just like the idea of kids reading scary stuff. And this was actually super creepy. Like, yes, yeah. And it maybe for an adult with a, a better understanding of death and, and what it means for uh, a spirit to come back and take your soul and, you know, like all that kind of stuff. It was creepy. Um, mm. But it, the art and the colors, they seem to to be like muted, but in a, a like the bright colors were muted, if that mm-hmm, makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I also had the the problem of being confused by some characters that look similar. So I had to go back and mm-hmm. like, okay, who's this? Who's this? And at the end, I was very confused about the child who we seemed to have been following through the story. But then he had 
a skeleton face and a balloon at the end. So I was really confused about that because then it said, this is really the end. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, but what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> but so, I mean, I, I'm, I, I don't want to cut you off, but yeah, I mean, I was speaking on the age appropriate horror. I, 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 as an adult, was a little creeped out on some scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I would really like to get my hands on the actual physical book just because I feel like I could yeah. be able to, like, Coming go back. Coming soon. Okay. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, but one of the things that creeped me out was uh, when uh, he go- the, the man goes into the cave and she says, do you see the skulls? Yeah. And mm-hmm. he, he says, yes, I can see the skulls. And he goes, they can see you too. Uh-huh. I was like, no. Por qué? <laughs> But yeah, no, that was, uh, yeah, it, it's a really good book in that sense that uh, the age appropriate horror, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. it. It's really good. And I'm really glad I was able to kickstart this. I'm just waiting for the, my physical copy now. Oh, Kickstarter. <laughs> but at least I got my digital, I got my digital rewards and we were able to review the book this way. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I really liked it. Are we ready to review it? Oh, uh, to rate it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Or, I mean, we did just review <laughs> it. Uh, rate yeah. it. Yes. Um, so this is Jen, and I'm going to give it uh, uh, two conchas. I really did like it, but I feel like like how Kristen said, I was a little bit confused by the end, mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh, there's there's got to be a follow-up. Yeah. So I'm going to give it two conchas um, uh, and because it didn't answer all my questions, uh, but I really did enjoy it. Yeah, so this is Kristen. I'm going to give it three conchas, and I would like to maybe reread uh, an actual physical copy and kind of get a better, uh, because I know that um, I always complain about reading books in PDF form on my computer, and I don't really get a good, uh, like, a good lay of the land as you were because i can't see everything all at once the way you can in a physical copy Mm -hmm. so Mm um yeah and maybe my confusion uh was due to that but i'll give it uh three conchas and um definitely would like to see a physical copy and i mean i feel like that was a cliffhanger and that it's like okay we're gonna go on from here and i definitely would be interested in reading that and um, YA horror in all ages horror just really intrigues me. So mm-hmm. uh, that's my rating. Awesome. Uh, this is Sarah, and I am also going to give it to Conchas, two and a half Conchas, because I really enjoyed the artwork. It was just stunning, 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 stunning. That red dress and the way it flowed against the wind was just brilliant. The artist is very gifted. Um, the story, I was a little bit confused, but I really liked it overall as well. Um, I like reading about, you know, like our culture and stuff. So that was really, really a lot of fun. Uh, the YA horror, I'm here for that for sure. So uh, it's going to be two and a half conchas. And yes, I really want to know more because they left us in this cliffhanger. So yes, that's my rating. Now it's time for En La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? So today I have a project that is upcoming and uh, Kristen reminded me that there's like stuff that is upcoming on Kickstarter. It just hasn't like launched yet. And this one really caught my interest. It's called Death in the Mouth, Original Horror by People of Color. And it's um, uh, the project creator is Sloan Long. 
Uh, and it just says it's a collection of short horror fiction and illustra illustrations from storytellers around the world. So we don't have a, a lot of details yet. But uh, Sloan Long is from Portland, Oregon, and is a cartoonist, artist, and writer of Hawaiian, Chinese, Mexican, Native American, and European ancestries. Wow, what? She's written and drawn two acclaimed graphic novels, Prism Stalker, which oh. I've read before, uh, and A Map to the Sun, and has short fiction credits with Fireside Magazine, Dark Matter Magazine, and Entropy Magazine. She is currently living in Chinook Territory near Portland, Oregon. So it's definitely, and from what we see of like the banner for it, it looks really interesting. Like we, we've got like some real like Junji Ito shit going on, in the, <laughs> going on there. Um, uh, but it looks promising and it already has like 57 followers oh, nice. of people waiting to hear an update. And one of them is me. <laughs> so uh, check it out. We'll keep it uh, like on your radar. More details to come. But for uh, it's called Death in the Mouth. Original horror by people of color. All right. Now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? Well, today I have for uh, listeners... Uh, a Netflix, original Netflix series, and it is called Maya and the Three. And so um, recently, Netflix and Jorge Gutierrez um, uh, released some images about this limited series that is supposed to drop on Netflix this summer. So it's already July 20-something, and uh, they haven't uh, released it yet. So maybe by the time this uh, releases, it'll already be on or you'll already be um enjoying it uh but in case you don't know i'm telling you now and you go right to your netflix and you can see that this is an animated series that follows a mesoamerican warrior princess oh wow so uh maya and the three uh creator director jorge gutierrez um is uh has worked on this series and it's a limited series and so i'm guessing that there's only going to be like a, a certain amount of episodes but it was inspired by Mesoamerican mythology and get this it's female heroes so mm. I love that so this show in particular follows Maya a Mesoamerican warrior princess who embarks on a journey to fulfill an ancient prophecy and save humanity humanity from vengeful gods of the underworld so um, uh, Jorge says that he created Maya um, as our own fiercely rebellious eagle warrior princess. Uh, and so the young heroine is lovingly inspired by real Mexican warrior women in his life, his mother, his sister, his wife. Aww. So that's really cute. I love that. And um, it says it drops this summer and it's a four and a half hour epic that will be released in 30 minute episodes. That's super cool. I can't wait. Now it's time for saludos. And saludos goes out to Ricardo Padilla, co-creator of the Latinx Comics Arts Festival. Um, remember that event is going to take place October 9th and 10th. And we will be part of that event. So we're really excited. And it's going to be at the Museum of Latin American Art in Long Beach. Uh, so saludos goes out to Ricardo Padilla. You rock, sir. All right, guys, now that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, where can they find us, girls? 
you can find us at commodicycomics.com it is our website and you can not only find all of our uh, podcast links but also our social media links and contact us directly you can find out more about us uh, individually on our bio pages and you can also see cute pictures of us that we took (laughs) (laughs) why do you make it sound like that (laughs) just say OnlyFans coming soon Honestly, I've been looking into that. (laughs) So uh, you can also uh, support our podcast and many other female-driven podcasts, women-led podcasts um, at patreon.com slash period podcast network. And our podcast network is a podcast network of uh, women um, who uh, create content for everyone and there is some really awesome podcasts for you to listen to regardless if you are into comedy you're into um, pod fiction podcast which I didn't even know existed until I well, was part of this <laughs> network, network uh, and uh, some uh, sex positive sex work podcast as well so definitely and Hollywood ch- advice oh yeah Hollywood <gasps> advice for, right. for black creators yes Tinsel Tinsel Town Tea yeah so definitely check it out period podcast network and also support us on Patreon thanks so much guys uh, well that brings us to the end of the episode like I said we have been your host I'm Sarah I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.